Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the How I Made It podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Browley. And this week, I have a very, very, very special guest. She is the go-to person that has dressed some of Hollywood's biggest stars right now. She is the head costume designer for Spike Lee's new show, She's Gotta Have It premiering on Netflix November 23rd, I believe. Marcy Rogers, thank you so much for making time for me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, Now, like I said, you are um, the lead costume designer for um, She's Gotta Have It, but you've been working with um, Spike Lee's company for a little bit of time now. Um, and when I looked into your background and did a little bit of research, I saw that you started out as a production assistant with this company. Did I get that right? Yeah, I was a, um, a PA for Ruth Carter on she, um, Chirac. Um, okay. That was oh, how two years ago. That's about two years ago. Wow. So in two years, you managed to work your way up from a production, assi- a production assistant to lead costume designer what are some of the standout things that you did to make sure that you secured a full-time role with uh the team well let's just back up i didn't work my way up um i was blessed i got to be able to follow my dreams before i even was a production assistant i was attending university of maryland to get my second master's in costume design i was already on the way if you will to be a costume designer um on paper and assisting my mentor um who recently passed he saw something in me um and he took me under his wing and he was actually a theater costume designer he was a broadway costume designer and i pretty much was his shadow and whether or not i liked it or whether or not he liked it because sometimes it was very challenging i stood by him to his death and tried to get as much information out of him as possible even though I tell people he didn't really teach me costumes he taught me how to survive. he taught whatever I already knew which was to survive he just like reinforced it wow and then I met Spike on a Broadway show and um well he was attending my mentor's Broadway show which was however you can hear me and we just had a conversation I just really worked up enough nerve to go speak to him and that's kind of how it started and then he Mr. Lee was saying to me, I mean, I call him Mr. Lee just because I'm, you know, I'm from deference. But Mr. Lee said to me, um, you know, do you know the black costume designers? And I I was like, I knew of Ruth, um, which we all, you know, have watched her her work. And she's amazing at what she does. And um, it was funny because right after that conversation happened, then I ended up meeting Ann Roth, who is on the total opposite of the spectrum as it relates to costume design because, um, you know, she's Ann Ross. Um, then shortly after that, I met Paul Taswell, who's a costume designer for uh, the Hamilton. So he, you know, so I feel like to say God ordered my steps very fast. Um, it was very challenging. You know, I, I remember when I first started, my mentor told me I was going to have to ostracize myself to get what I want, what I thought I wanted, which is pretty much sacrifice. Um, so I definitely sacrificed a social life and didn't have it for a while I just learned as much as I can about the craft yeah and I would say it definitely paid off um you also well just to take a a little bit of a step back I saw that you also worked for the Congo Square Theater in Chicago I'm assuming for their stage plays um Mm -hmm. so what are the key differences 
the key differences with costuming when it comes to movies, TV, and, and plays? Is one area more difficult than the other? I wouldn't say it's a difference. Well, I wouldn't say one's harder than the other. It's just a different process. Um, to compare the two, you still have a prep, if you will. Um, but one is, you know, one is, it's the same, but it's not the same. You know, film is a little bit different than theater because theater, you are the wig designer. Theater, you are, you know, the, the costume designer. In some cases, you may not have a wardrobe team. It may just be you. You know, it's a smaller show. I mean, it's a smaller theater. Congo Square is a smaller theater. And I was, I had the opportunity to design there. Um, my mentor, Reggie Ray, who I just mentioned, he was mm-hmm. a go-to designer at Congo Square. So, you know, I kind of inherited his reputation and his his, his legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's different, but it's not. It's a different animal, you know, because film moves faster. Um, and film is every day. You know, film isn't live. So, it, you know, not to say that it doesn't come to life, but because it does, but it's on screen. And, you know, like, it's the same, but it's two different animals. I tell people, yeah. in my opinion, if you know how to drive a stick, then you can drive automatic. Film is kind of like mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't, I'm able to do both because my background started in theater. But there is a learning curve when you get to film, if that makes sense. Yes, it does make sense. Um, I, I want to ask you about something that you said a little bit earlier uh, about ostracizing yourself, basically, for success. Um, of course, you know, when you're on the come up, you have to sacrifice anything that doesn't involve your craft. But now that you've established yourself some, has that changed at all? Have you had the availability to make time for social or is it still, you know, nose to the ground? It's worse. But it's not, well, maybe. It's not, it's not, now it's more so I just don't have the time because it's not, you know, like, because I'm so determined for it to be correct, it's it's about now it's a different type of sacrifice, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. me ostracizing myself when it was happening was not a comfortable thing. You know what I mean? I mean, I've, 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 I mean, I don't know if you know or Brett, but I've I pledged, I've pledged AK Alpha Chapter. So I, I understand. Mm-hmm. I, I say it's like a, a self-hate. You know what I mean? Like, and, and whatever yeah. that means. I know what it feels like to have something taken away and then you get it. Yeah. And it hasn't changed, it. but it's not in a bad way. You know what I mean? It's just, now it's just work to yeah. be done. Like real work. Yeah, yeah. You you said that um, you want to make sure everything is right. And I, I applaud you. For, well, not even applaud you because, I mean, I know you know the amount of work and, and um, sacrifice. And I'm assuming the um, perfectionist in you really is part of the reason why you've been able to achieve some of the things that you've achieved. Um, when I was doing my research, of course, I watched the trailer where she's got a habit and she looks, it looks amazing. Um, Thank you. And, you know, Nola Darling, yeah, Nola Darling is such a beloved character. And in my opinion, she's been such a, a long revered figure of modern black feminism since the 80s when it first uh, when she first came on the scene, um, especially in terms of sexual empowerment, were you at all intimidated to be responsible for creating the look of this figure when you first got pulled onto the project? Mm, no, because I no. understood. I think, no, I think I actually was excited because I was able to, you know, he, 
when we initially talked about it, obviously I watched the movie as a child. I watched the movie prior to, I mean, you kind of go back to the foundation. But, you know, one of the things that I said, and typically what I try to do is, is before I start the design process, which is what I learned at school, um, one of my professors at the time, Daniel Conway, at University of Maryland, he said, what music would that person listen to? And for me, that was one of the questions that I asked. What music would Nola Darwin listen to? You know, like, obviously, what's her go-to? And Prince was, like, her favorite artist. So that helped me kind of get a vibe of her clothes because I think sometimes how we represent ourselves and how we dress has a lot to do with the music we listen to. <clears throat> so mm -hmm. that allowed me to, like, go and be creative and stimulate a, create a, a more of a creative process. Um, but I kind of already knew... You know, because I had so many characters, I had to separate them all. And you have to see yourself as, yeah, you know, and it, it, I would say this. If anybody that I was intimidated by to dress in a way was Mars, because Mr. Lee was Mars. You know what I mean? So, so you know, I was kind of self-examining myself every time I put something on Anthony Ramos. But because he was... He has, you know, he was just jovial and had a great spirit that yeah. I, I could have put a smiley face on him and he just would have made it jump up and down, you know, and it just would have been yeah. great as long as he had on, you know, some Jordans, yeah. obviously because Mars and, you know, his gazelles, he could make anything look good. They all made everything yeah. look good. But I'm just saying in regards to like me actually being nervous sometimes sending his costumes to set that, oh my God, you know. Not so much yeah. is it right, but I know it was a very intimate character for him because he was Mars, or he is Mars. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And I noticed that um, it's a little bit more prominent in the show than it was in the movie, how much the uh, boyfriend informed Nola's clothing decisions. Even in the trailer, it's really evident. You know, with each date scene, she, in my opinion, dressed in a way that appealed to the men that she was with, whether or not it was conscious. It, you know, it, in my opinion, shone through to the to the viewer. Um, am I off base there, or does, no? Was you that actually hit it on the nail. No, it wasn't. Uh -huh. I mean, some of it was intentional, some of it wasn't. You know, I think. Particularly, there's one scene that you see with Nola. She's walking with Mars, and she has on this, like, yes. bleach denim vest situation. She knew she was going to see him. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, well, obviously, I mean, not to tell the story, but, like, what she's wearing caters to him. I mean, he's he's the youngest out of the three. Um, <clears throat> and dressing her, I had to, like, figure out how to take her in and out of these worlds. And sometimes the worlds, you know, they will, because you just, it just, by habit things, it happens. So, and when she was herself, you could, I, I, she was dressed more artsy, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Then it actually being like curated and purpose on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely was, that was something that I picked up on right away. Um, let's back up a little bit. I know this conversation is all over the place, but I have so much to talk to you about. Um, mm -hmm. And your, your background is really interesting. So uh, specifically your educational background, it kind of runs the gamut. Um, you, of course, have two master's degrees, um, one in 
business and I saw that you had a little bit of um, experience in advertising and now you have a master's in costume design. Um, what informed your decision to kind of make the change from business to costumery where you are now? Uh, I, it really goes back to my first comment. It was, it was, it was all God. Um, I was, uh, I was like a, I wouldn't say a part-time stylist, but I would do styling here and there before I actually transitioned and fully into costume design. And at the time, I was, I remember saying on, we were doing a photo, I was doing a photo shoot, and I said it out loud, it's probably sounding like Debbie Downer, but um, I just said, I was like, I want to be a costume designer, you know what I mean? Not really knowing what it meant at the time. And uh, I just really kept saying it over and over and over. And, and anybody that you talk to that actually knows me, you know, can as a witness would say, she would say she wanted to do costume design. And I, that's all I would say, which is why I tell people, you know, if you say it over and over again, it'll happen. Um, yeah. That's my journey. Like, I, I just, I, I felt it in my heart. I attracted, you know, my mentor, Reggie Ray, and then I attracted my mentor, Helen Huang, who had me into the University of Maryland. And um, that was really it. I just knew I needed to change. You know, I wasn't fulfilled. Yeah. And I had to make that sacrifice, um, which is hard for people who, you know, you work every day, and obviously you, you get used to the money. But sometimes you have to take a step back just for happiness, self-happiness. Real happiness. What were you doing before you um, went into full-time costume design? Well, I was the assistant. I was the youngest assistant director of admissions at Howard University School of Law. And I was actually very mm. happy there. Um, so, obviously, I was the first assistant under the dean of admissions. Um, and I learned a lot at Howard. I learned a lot at Howard University as when I attended, but I learned a lot at the law school um, because my job there was to recruit so, I mean, I would recruit probably four months out of the year, travel, meet new people. It taught me a lot about people skills. And it also taught me about, like, interacting with people, which is very important and, and, and one of the things that you have to have a skill in in costume design because it's not just the creative part. You actually have to interact with the actors at some point. That's how that that's, started. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um Reggie Ray, of course, as you've been saying, has been a, an integral part of your career. How did you guys meet? Um, Reggie actually was a professor at Howard when I was there, and I did not know him, but I remember seeing him on the yard, and I would look at him and be like, who is he, and why is he dressed like that? Um, because he was so <laughs> eclectic. Not knowing 10 years later, I would be this, I would be his last assistant, you know, um, I was working with a young lady. We were actually doing a photo shoot, and she was talking about him. And I remember him when she was saying it. And so something just told me to reach out to her. I mean, reach out to him. Because um, I had had a prior conversation with a good friend of mine, and she was like, you know, you should, you should start to seek out a mentor. So I just didn't have his phone number, obviously, and Facebook was a thing at the time. Um, and he loved Facebook, so I just sent him a message on Facebook, and he didn't respond. Reggie was a hazer. He didn't respond. <laughs> and then I followed up like two weeks later, because at this point I was like, I don't have anything to lose. And then I responded. I sent him another follow-up, and then he responded, and he told me to meet me at Starbucks on Howard's campus. And then we sat down and we talked. He was like, okay, I'm going to try you out. He sent me a script, and it was like, you like, do your work, do your job. I had no idea where to start 
But I will say I had some foundation because I took a wardrobe class in New York City maybe like a year before, so I had something to jump off on, but he was just like, go forth with vigor. So I had to hit the ground running. Wow. And that um, mentor-mentee relationship lasted for how long? It lasted until he passed. So I met him in May of 2000, what is it, 2017, 2000. I started okay. school in 2013. So this might have been 2012. So I would say May until September. He died right after my birthday, which is in August. So about six months, six or seven months. I know there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that happened in between, but just from the short conversation, it just seems like you said your your path was ordained and I cannot wait to see um what else is gonna happen, especially once this show comes out. I can like I, I can't believe that I'm actually gonna be talking to the person that put the look of the show together. And that's very exciting. Um so yeah, thank you so much again for uh, making the time for me. Can you uh, let us know where, you, where we can find you? <laughs> I'm very boring, but you can find me on. Um, mm-hmm. I am on Instagram, and my Instagram is at Marcia Lago. That's M um, A R C I. My first name A L A G I O. Um, I'm also on Facebook, and I don't Twitter too much. Um, but my Twitter is the same handle as my Instagram, which is at Marcia Lago. And I don't okay. Snapchat because I'm older. So Snapchat confuses <laughs> me, but I, I'm Marcia Lago on Snapchat, too. I have my moments, but, yeah. Oh, my God. You don't Snapchat. I don't. But because I'm shy. You, you know, have to snap. No, I don't snap. And, I, you know, I tell people, like, I'm, you know, my personality comes out. I'm actually a very shy person. I call it the Beyonce effect. Like, Beyonce is very shy, but Sasha Fierce is not. You know what I mean? So, obviously, my personality comes out in my clothes and what I wear and, what I, you know, how I dress my characters. But I don't, I would love people to see the life and times of Marcy, but Marcy Rogers, but I don't ever really want to make it about me. You know what I mean? Because yeah. God gave me the opportunity to be creative and make a living off of being creative. And I just want to be able to show his glory, you know, and, and, and how yeah. he, he's a man of his word. So you can follow me, but, it, you know, it's not going to be like, and it will be fun, you know, and I've had people, yeah. you know, I've had people who come to me and say, I, and, and, and it's funny because they don't even like my pictures, but they'll say, I know your exact move, you know what I mean? Because I'm watching you, you know, and you inspire me. And to mm-hmm. me, that's way more rewarding than, I mean, obviously we like likes because then we want to think that we're popular, but, you know, yeah. I would rather inspire somebody quietly and make sure that, you know, and be a part of their testament and happy happiness because they said, I saw somebody else do it. And I, and, and I know it's hard, but she's making it work. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying, even though I'm still going to try to work on you to snap because <laughs> your life is very interesting. And I know yeah. everybody would love to see how you come up with these looks or at least what the finished product is before the actual show premieres. But whatever, I'm not, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to force you. Okay. Um, I'll try to snap. <laughs> anybody that's looking to follow um, the How I Made It podcast, again, as always, you can find us across all social platforms. It's Made Magazine US 
on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and I can be found across all social platforms. It's just at Jasmine Brawley, J-A-S-M-I-N-E-B-R-O-W-L-E-Y. So until next time, you guys, I'll talk to you soon.